Man! Don't look now, but the hardened experiment is still working. Is D-Lo on the move? And is Jordan Poole a lost cause in Washington? I'm Rosa Panta. This is the Clinic All-NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ! How you living, my friend? Woo! I'm feeling good. I'm feeling great. Sending positive vibes to our football teams. Let's get it, baby. Come on now. Man, definitely sending some good vibes because me and JJ almost had about like four heart attacks during the Niner game. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Man, I almost joined you with a heart attack of my own, but Patrick Mahomes did it again. Shout out, Bills fans. Thanks for throwing snowballs. And, you know, appreciating our, our friend John, who's not here, and his solid James Harden MVP pick. The beat just goes on. Let's get it. Sammy takes it all the way. Yeah, definitely. Let's get it, boys. We have to talk about a historic night that happened tonight. Joel Embiid scored 70 in Philadelphia, and Carl Anthony Towns had 62 in Minnesota. The elite big men paired up to do something the NBA hadn't seen on the same day in more than 45 years. So, this whole segment is do the numbers lie? And we have to start with Joel Embiid here, who scored 70 points. I want to ask this question. Does the 70-point night tonight solidify him as MVP this year? What do you guys think? Well, there's, there's an interesting aspect to this. In one sense, absolutely. But he's missing some games and we have a rule in effect this year that if he doesn't play 65 or more he will not qualify hmm. he okay. has played 31 games and the sixers have played i apologize for not having this in front of me but i think they've played 40 42 so i think it's 32 of 42 so if he doesn't stay healthy most of the rest of the year this is not going to matter but Let's say he does right now. I'd say he has as strong an argument as anybody. As good as Jokic is, that team was expected to fall off after the Harden trade. And what are they? Twenty-nine and thirteen. They're only a few games out of first. They're having a hell of a year. You gotta, you gotta put him near the top of that list. Jay, Jay, Jay. I know you were talking about SGA, your boy. You thought that he should be MVP. Does tonight change that for you? I always thought that Embiid was a great candidate for MVP this year just because of Harden living and everyone kind of put the 76ers on the back burner in terms of like projection but uh, props to Embiid um, I think with these quote unquote scoring titles and high scoring nights people just think it's whatever because remember last year we had that one week where we had, what was it, like six or five players that scored over 60 or 50. Mm -hmm. I, yeah. I, I can't recall plus. the number, but uh, props to Embiid. Um, the 76ers, they're on track of becoming that playoff team that could possibly knock out the Celtics. I'm not quite there yet because the Celtics are balling. They're arguably the best team, but hey, man, Embiid... Um, I don't think he has a quote-unquote true super team aiding him like how he had before and that just shows you how dominant he's been what are you talking about he's got marcus morris and nick batum baby 
<laughs> so Carl Anthony Towns, okay, by the numbers here, had 62 Yo, points. Lose. I think a lot of people's concern about the Minnesota Timberwolves being a number one seed is that they wouldn't have enough firepower to make it through the playoffs, even though defensively they have been outstanding. Carl Anthony Towns now having the ability to go off like this, do we think otherwise about Minnesota and think of them as a true contender for the title this year? Oh, a true contender. I think we've always thought that defense wins games. Uh, they're very impressive. It's yet to be seen. They need to prove it. That's what I'll say. Enough of this regular season feat of all these teams coming through here. They do what they do, and then when it comes to the postseason, they fail. Um, the Timberwolves, we've said it multiple times for multiple seasons. This is the year that they're finally living up to the word of being great, especially with all that talent. Come on now. It's not like they've been underdogs because they've always had the talent. Don't get it twisted, Sammy. They've always had the talent. Now they just got to live up to the expectations. And that's what I'll say. Cat, um, he's disappeared in the postseason. Let's be real. Gobert, not even playing the final five minutes of games. So prove it to us. Prove it to the clinic. Okay. Here's, here's my problem with this. 62 points, no matter how you put it, is extremely impressive. Props yes. to Cat for that. Yes. You know a problem, though? Losing to Charlotte at home when you score 62 <laughs> points. You Let's lose. start there. Thank you. They lost to Charlotte, and they had a 15-point lead going into the fourth. Mm. And guess who went 2 of 10 in the fourth? Our 62-point man. So that's, that's one issue I have. The other one, and this could just be a weird night. It could be whatever you want to call it. The night that he went off like this... We all agree, generally. You guys tell me. Anthony Edwards is the number one in this game, correct? Yes. Yep. You know he didn't score in the first half of this game? No. I did he not know that. Finished with nine points. Give him his credit. Had 11 assists. Obviously was deferring because Cat was the hot hand. I respect that. I, I appreciate that, actually. That he didn't necessarily have to get his. But... And I will freely admit, did not see this game. I know that Conley did not play. Is their offense the type this year where it's not necessarily working in concert in a sense, where it's like one guy or the other? Because we've noticed usually when Ant has a high number, Cat's numbers aren't quite as good. This is obviously an opposite extreme of that, but I do, I do think it brings that question up of if Ant had 16, 17, 18 tonight, it would have made sense to me, but nine points, nothing in the first half. I think he literally shot the ball once in the first half. I think it was 0 of 1. That concerns me. That and the loss. It just feels like on the surface, they decided, let's just see how many points Khaki get, no matter what the result looks like. <laughs> yeah. I, I do wonder. Do we the have coach, to ask? like, followed up in his press conference, straight up calling out his players, saying, uh, Coach Finch said, the Wolves are immature. And okay. it kind of aligns with what we've been saying about them, right? That's see, this is why I'm a big calmly guy as a glue guy. I almost feel like he's too important to this team sometimes. Like with where right. he's at in his career. 
And a night like this, as great as Cat was, kind of illustrates it. He ended up turning the ball over seven times. And again, they lost to a nine-win, now 10-win team. It was arguably one of the worst five teams in basketball. You can't do that as a number one seed. So this is a divided one for me because of the results. So real real quick, if we're looking at the whole NBA, not, not just the Western Conference, would you place, like, in a power ranking, the Timberwolves, like, four five or less than that jay six. what do you think six you got them at six k real real quick rapid fire who's your top five let's go we'll go boston mm-hmm. we'll go uh denver mm-hmm. we'll go okc we'll go milwaukee and we'll i gotta do it sammy Gonna put them in baby put in la <laughs> <laughs> not the lakers though of course the lakers what you talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> okay Okay, I'm. I think I I share your sentiment on where they're at roughly too. I just I don't. I think they and OKC are on the same level because I love OKC, but their size is going to be a problem in the playoffs. Uh, I put Denver, Boston, Milwaukee, Clippers above them both. Personally, right. call that a homer call or not, I do think those teams are all better. Um, so curious to see. Do they supplement at the deadline? Is this just an experience thing? What is it? But they are 30 and 13, but the way the standings line up, they have one bad week they could fall to four from that. Yeah, I spot, would so in my power rankings, I basically have the same thing as you you guys, and like the Timberwolves, the Suns, and the Pelicans are probably all kind of interchangeable. They're mm-hmm. kind of like stuck in that sort of range. But to continue on with do the numbers lie, we have to talk about D Lo. D Lo check out. Uh, in the last, or sorry, with in the last game with 34 points, and he shot 14 of 21, six for 11 from three, eight assists, zero turnovers against the Blazers. Oh. This is a continuation of his hot streak, and also adding to his trade off or trade value off with Dejounte Murray. He's now shooting close to 42% from three from the season. He's having a really good season by the numbers but should the lakers trade him oh man it's kind of uh, discouraging when you when you ball out and then you have your player crying on the sideline so there's footage of Dilo crying so has the damage been done i kind of think it has Jen. like mm. at this point do you keep someone where you put his name on the trade block over and over and over again within the past few weeks uh five games also to that point it's it's increasing his trade value but i always feel that it's all about patterns and he's been up and down this whole season and we're talking about an aging Laker team. So in my mind, you trade him while it's hot and get um, the best out of your investment right now while it's hot. I think you have to also look at D'Lo at this point has been in the league, what, maybe 10 years, give or take. So this isn't necessarily a young guy who's taking a step forward. He's having a hot streak right now. And you know, for all the all the crap he gets, frankly, he's a decent player. And we like to ride him a lot because I don't think we've seen him contribute to a winning environment regularly. 
We saw him kind of fizzle out in the playoffs last year. But for the Lakers, by the numbers, like you said, he's having a good year. LeBron's barely missed games, even if he is ducking out on the Clippers game tomorrow. But that's another story. Uh, Davis <laughs> has not missed much of anything this year. All these guys are having good years by the numbers. Reeves has been so-so, and this is still a 500 team. So something clearly has to change. So is a malleable trade piece. He has a very easy contract. But I think it also speaks volumes that pretty solid sources. Shams, for example, is saying that any trade that's involved, like the Murray thing we've talked about, Atlanta doesn't want to keep him. They want to find a third team to take him. I think that should speak some volumes to us that this is a good streak. He's a decent player. But it doesn't seem like teams who have playoff aspirations value him that much. And I don't mean it as an insult. It just makes you wonder why. Even when the numbers are good, clearly there is something about him that he seems to be more of a player that would be like a lead or a number two on like a playing team, but not necessarily a main contributor on a true contender. So we've got a lot of data backing that up now. So that that's kind of where I leave it at. What do you think, Jim? Yeah, you hit it on the nail or hit it on the head there. And I mean, the Lakers are a playing team right now. And you could... I don't know if D'Lo deserves a lot of the blame for that, but like you were saying, he is the most tradable piece among the group that they have. And I think value says, you know, like JJ was saying, sell high. And right now D'Lo is riding high. So I think he might be on the move. Um, so I think we're all in alignment there. And then by the numbers, we're going to go again. Jordan Poole yesterday, logged in more fouls and turnovers than all positive box score stats categories combined. He had he had a stat line. Um four one zero zero and zero <laughs> with four fouls and two turnovers. He shot one of seven from the field in 27 minutes. Full streak of double digit scoring ended at seven games and his 14.3 shooting from the field was his worst since January 5th when he missed all four of his shots against the Cavaliers. Poole has been a volatile scorer this season and is averaging 16.4 points per game on 42.5% shooting, including 29.4% from three. And this is all in January. So we've seen the good Jordan Poole. This seems to be the bad Jordan Poole. Or is it? Is this the real Jordan Poole? What do you guys think? I will kindly defer to someone who has experience with him on their team to start. JJ, please give me your, your thoughts on this one. It always uh, reminds me before we have these free agency signings or trade deals gentlemen where we feel like okay there's two routes right there's the route where a player benefits with other stars because he's not getting that much attention or this this player will bust out of his shell and perform on a whole new level right with like the perfect analogy that i'm gonna say with jordan Poole before he signed on to the wizards was uh, James Harden, the OKC to the Rockets, right? Everyone, including uh, Kevin Garnett, said um, Jordan Poole will be like James Harden and have this breakout season. But uh, lo and behold, 
you have Jordan Poole. It, it's just not how inefficient he is. It's his turnovers. And the one stat that I did want to bring uh, out to this pod and have you guys comment on is the Raptors score. And we, we bring it out every now and then. It's, it's a analytical score based off your efficiency. And out of 531 players assessed, Jun and Sammy, Jordan Poole is third to last out of 531 players. Mm. And that's statistically speaking, right? That's a statistical manner that you can't argue with. Numbers do not lie in this case. And what I'll say on top of that to uh, support my argument, which, you know, also I'm about to say my claim soon, which is we've seen it. The, I, the Even the, the eye test as Warrior fans, who June and I are, last year, it's, it's not even about the bad shots. It's when he's taking the bad shots. It's when he's turning the ball over. So is this the real Jordan Poole? Unfortunately, yes, it is the real Jordan Poole. And it's unfortunate because this guy's projection was up and coming. It was on the rise. He had the keys for the Warriors' next uh, generation post-Steph Curry era. But that Draymond Green punch, that PR right after, I don't know, man. It doesn't look good. But that's my take. The numbers don't lie, which is joyful. <laughs> we have more fouls than points. I don't know what to tell you, man. <laughs> that is a pretty impressive accomplishment. Um, As a point card, too. Yeah, and I really think that we've heard this over and over with him, and I think it's been exacerbated this year, which is basketball IQ is not his strong suit, clearly. So I think what you what we've seen is two extremes, right? A couple years ago, when the Warriors won that last title and everything was harmonious, you had a very controlled environment. Lots of high IQ vets, guys that could kind of try to keep him on the path to making the right decision. Yes. But the team was still good enough to give him a little freedom to kind of cook and do his thing a little bit when the primary scores were off the floor let him make one or two really bad decisions, but generally keep him within a certain game plan, right? Then you send him to Washington on a team that is clearly looking to tank as hard as possible, who's trading all their assets, doesn't really have direction this year, and is suddenly saying, you and Kuz can just bring it home. Like, do do what you want. And and we get four points, one rebound, and four fouls and two turnovers. Like, <laughs> so I think what we're seeing is a very extreme example of a player that has to be in a specific environment to be productive, right? So the problem now, though, is he's going to end up being considered a negative asset because he gets paid so much. So the question's going to turn into is there a team that thinks it's close to being a contender that will be desperate enough to trade for him? Because he is not going to finish that contract in Washington. I would be amazed if he does. So someone is going to take a chance on him and I trade think, for him. I think there were already rumblings like early this season. It didn't take long for people to say that 
the Washington Wizards don't believe that mm-hmm. like Jordan Poole is a cornerstone piece for the future. Yeah, I've heard the same, and I've heard that Washington believes that exactly one player on the roster is not uh, is essentially untouchable and that they want to trade, and that's Koulibaly, who they drafted this year, who right. has been pretty good and is also a cost-controlled asset. He's going to cost them 2 or $3 million a year for the next four or five years. So everyone else is on the table. And so we will see. I mean, right now, trading pool at this level, like, you're going to get the low point. So... It's like we talked about with D'Lo. You need to get a couple good games out of him and then flip him without having to trick picks to get him if, if you're Washington at this point. So I hope for his sake he ends up in a better environment because if he doesn't and this turns into his future, we're never going to remember that he won a title. We're going to remember that he got knocked out by Draymond and then shipped out of town and this is what he became. He, he needs to be a sixth man. He does, exactly. This is yeah. not a starting player, and I do not mean yeah. that as an insult. I think of, as yeah. a Clipper fan, I think of Lou Will, I think of Jamal Crawford, like exactly. great players. Right off the bench, when they started, they were far less effective. That is what Jordan Poole is. He needs to come into the game and just be told to go score. He's not the starter. He's not, this isn't what he should be doing. So in a way, I almost legit feel bad for the dude, but then I remember he has $35 million a year coming in, so I can almost feel so bad. <laughs> you know, over, over like five years or something exactly. like that. I mean, so... This guy is gonna, he has to be like one of the worst contracts in the league, if not the worst contract in the it's league. It's up there for sure. It's it's up there with Ben Simmons right now. And even Ben Simmons' contract is almost up. Yeah. And you know, Jordan Poole, like for all the smack talk that we're doing right now, there has to be at least a few moments while you were with the Warriors where we legit believed in you. We were like, this guy could be like a real good player but just something has not clicked i don't know if it's basketball iq i don't know if it's getting punched in the head i don't know what it is but is this the real jordan pool i think it is it's been too long now like we we're, we're seeing it but anyway we're gonna take a short little break with a word from our sponsor are you tired of constantly losing your bets on unfair gambling apps our sponsor parlay play has the best lines to increase your chances at winning it big. Not only does it have great lines, it's also an awesome app with a community feel. Use code CLINIC, all NBA, for a deposit match up to $100 and free $5 game on the house. They also have a feature called Slide the Line, where users can raise or lower line of their choosing. Pause the pod, get on your phone, and download the app now. Download the app indeed. We have to go to our next topic here. And it's about Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant, his last game was his 16th instant in NBA history that a player has scored 40 plus points with zero free throw attempts. The superstar has won nearly every NBA individual award championships olympic gold and is arguably arguably the purest scorer ever but all that still doesn't put him in the conversation of greatest of all time and kd is confused by this he said because i went to the warriors why shouldn't i be in that that's the question you should ask why not what haven't i done never did that move does KD have a point here. Should he be in the greatest of all time conversation? No. Next question. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Sammy, go ahead. Elaborate. Elaborate. 
Look, man. I got a ton of respect for Katie's pure talent, his scoring ability. Just the fact that guy just, as he always tells us, just wants to hoop. But I just think to really be among the greatest, you just have to have a little more alpha mentality and be that guy who wants to take over the game. And not, I, I don't even fault him for Golden to Golden State and joining that team. Like, I know a lot of people do. I don't. I get it. He wanted to play fun basketball for a couple of years after playing in OKC. Understand that. But it just doesn't feel like he owns up and wants to be the guy that takes over constantly. He wants to fit in. And you know what? In a way, I respect that because you can throw him into any team and he'll figure his way out. But the dudes that were the greatest, I feel like they had like a will, a drive to take their teams to, to victory there. And I don't think that's quite there. And the other thing that's not talked about enough with him, he gets hurt every single year. He doesn't have the availability that I think the, the top three or four players of all time do. I think if you look at his last six, seven years, he averages like 50 games a year. He, he misses a lot of time every year. So when I look at those factors, I think he's top 10, probably. And no, I shouldn't even say probably. He's somewhere in that area. 8, 9, 10 for me. Greatest of all time, I, I don't even think he's in the discussion. I hate to say it. JJ? Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you. Like, the GOAT conversation, there's a lot of checkboxes that you have to do, like rings. I think it's if you have a huge influence on the game, like Stephen, LeBron, and Jordan right um and katie the way that he forced his way out to out of brooklyn and now he's even complaining at phoenix it it's not a good look and furthermore and uh you know sammy pretty much summed it up but the goat conversation even at the years you didn't win a championship you still have these milestone moments or even moments where NBA fans are like damn man that was a crazy postseason game you, you have to have your moments in the postseason even when you don't win your championship and I think every single year whether it be Kobe Steph Jordan Duncan whoever the goat whoever the goats are they've had those postseason moments every year they've been in the postseason but to be honest with you guys like the past few seasons where Katie been to the postseason without the Warriors, I can't remember like, wow, that was a crazy, crazy moment. I could I could tell you when LeBron has gone crazy. I could tell you when Steph went crazy last year against the Kings. I could tell you about that time yeah. when Kobe scored that game winning shot against the Suns. But with Katie, can you guys tell me a moment within the past few years after the Warriors where he's had one game where you're like, damn, that was a really dope KD game. We could talk about it. Other than the moment when he had his foot on the that's three That's the only line. one. And, and they lost it. That's literally what I was going to name. And that's it's sad to say, but that's the one I thought of. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, exactly. When we talk about like greatest of all time, I think there's, our, there's certain requirements, right? The accolades, that's one. The attitude, like Sammy was saying, is another. Um, another one I think that counts against a lot of people is just having a team like having a team to call your own and a fan base to call your own mm. what sucks about Kevin Durant right 
going to Brooklyn, leaving OKC, now going to the Suns, is that he doesn't have like a ride or die fan base, right? Mm-hmm. So I think, in a lot of sense, that counts against him, because if you're gonna change locations, you have to dominate, right? Just like LeBron, he left the Cleveland Cavaliers, and he dominated with the Heat. He won there, and then he won with the Lakers. Or like even Shaquille O'Neal leaving the Lakers, or sorry, um, yeah, leaving the Lakers, going to the Heat and winning there. And Kevin Durant has not done that yet. Like his only pit stop that we remember or going to remember is with the Warriors and winning there. But he had a terrible run in Brooklyn. This Suns team now, I don't know what I'm seeing. But I don't believe in them as a real contender this year at all. I don't know if you guys agree, but there's something wrong with that team. And we're getting to the point where I'm questioning whether or not Kevin Durant has something to do with this. You know, like, is it leadership? Is it galvanizing the team? I don't know what it is. Um, I don't know if I'm overreacting there, but what do you guys think of what, what I just said? Does that stick a little bit or not really? Yeah, I, I I think so. I mean, they've looked a tiny bit better lately, but yeah, there's just... It's weird. Like, you look at the vibe on the teams he's played on over and over and over, and it seems like it's been off, except for the Golden State environment where he went in, and the, again, the vibe was already established. Like, you had a culture already. And, and I think with the true greats, they established the culture. Like mm. With Jordan's Bulls, it was he was a bit of a hard ass. And in that way, like the team worked with him and they understood he was, you know, he was that alpha. The Bird McHale Parish Celtics, they were a little cocky, but they backed it up. Bad Boy Pistons established behind Isaiah. You can't look at KD and say, this is the culture. This is the vibe. This is the team like. Right. They don't really follow him in that way. And, and so I think it definitely plays along that line. That's a good point. I think that's another like greatest of all time thing that should happen is that your personality should be the team's personality. And I don't think that happened with KD, but you could say that about Jordan. You could t- say that about Magic Johnson. You could say that about all the other greatest of all times. Um, anyway, let's move on to the next topic here. The LA Clippers were down 17 points to the Nets in the fourth quarter. They closed the final six minutes on a 22-0 run to win 125-114 to behind Westbrook's 23-9-5 stat line. Are the Clippers a legitimate threat to the Nuggets this year? <coughs> Jay, what do you think? So, we talked about how the Suns, like, we don't know what they're watching. Um... We have all these alphas, but they've been losing, and it's only till recency that the Suns are kind of winning. They're sent, they're in fifth place, but they're almost a 500 team. They're like seven wins above 500, which it's okay. But considering that you have one of the greatest with uh, KD, the Clippers are legit. This is what I thought, and I think we all thought the Suns should have been last year and this year where you're behind and you can't stop the talent 
and the gameplay because they're that damn good. And this is a true example of when healthy and everyone's playing together and everyone's knowing their roles, they're dominating. And I'll just say this, that Kawhi lineup, Sammy, with Kawhi at the five, PG at the four, that's like the reiteration of the Warriors small ball and genius, genius lineup. Gonna give people hell during the playoffs. Yeah, man, it's it's interesting. Like, I will freely admit, I'll eat crow on this, I did not like the Harden trade. And like when they did it, I thought it was gonna blow up and, or they were gonna finish with like the sixth seed and get knocked down round one. This version of Harden, as long as he actually stays happy, where he is the point guard, has given Kawhi and PG easier shots than they've had the entire four or five years they've been with the Clippers. It's not even close. They get the ball with easier looks. They still play some ISO, but the way they do it, they're put in positions where they get to their spots easy. For PG, that's getting open looks at the three-point line easily or getting into the paint. For Kawhi, that's his spot on the elbow or getting to the baseline. And they're getting in these spots really easy. Zubak looks like a completely different player with him, although he's out right now. And they're fitting together. And then the defense is still there because Kawhi and PG are there. Powell's slotted perfectly as a six man. And then Westbrook for all his faults, man, I give him credit. He wanted to come off the bench. He plays 20 minutes a game and he plays perfect role now. He is the ultimate energy guy. This game against Brooklyn, they looked off from the beginning. It just looked like, you know, every contender has that one stupid game a year or two games a year that they just lose that make no sense. That was supposed to be this game. And they just blew him away and finished with a 22-0 run, I, which there's no way they would have won that game last year. So that's what all health cons- do, man. What's that? That's what contenders do. Exactly, yeah. So like you said, all health considered, if they are healthy in the playoffs, I legitimately believe they can beat anybody. And would they be necessarily favored against Denver? Probably not, but I think it's pretty close to a toss-up at this point if if everyone on both sides is healthy. And there's no way I would have said that when the season started. So I will remain happily homer until proven wrong on this one. Every really damn good team needs like a gear they could just turn on or switch to. And the Clippers showed me with this game that they have that dis- like that defensive gear they could get to because offensively they they've looked great. They have looked great. Like that ball- the ball is moving around like Sammy was saying, like, people are getting to their spots. The shots look like they're coming easy. They don't look like they're struggling to do that. But what I worried about was defensively, if they could kind of hit another gear, because I know they're already good defensively, but all good defensive teams have, like, another jump that they could get to. And the Clippers showed that. And that's what they showed that um, against the, uh, sorry, the Nets. Yeah. (laughs) Against the Nets. I mean, 22-0 against any team, but I know the Nets aren't super good, but any NBA NBA team shutting them down in the fourth quarter like that, it's wildly impressive. Our next topic here, we're going to talk about Haslam and Paul Pierce. Haslam just had his jersey retired from the Miami Heat on an Instagram post. Pierce claimed the honor was more of a token of appreciation for Haslam instead of because of his accomplishments. <laughs> I am having a very bad day. He said, 
This one given, bro, just say it. And Pierce and Haslam have a long-standing feud dating to when Haslam referred to Pierce as a, quote, studio gangster. During the early portion of the decade, he had this to say. You are a hater. You all got the money on me crying, don't y'all? I know you all think I'm going to cry. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard. Heat Nation, it's been an absolute honor, man. So, Paul Pierce, is there some truth to what he's saying? <laughs> I mean, it's heat culture. Paul Pierce is being petty. We know how Paul Pierce is, but I I love the drama, man. It's hilarious. Th these dudes aren't even playing. They're acting like teenagers, and I love it. It's hilarious, Sammy. <laughs> I think Paul Pierce forgot about that Ubuntu from 2008. <laughs> it's gone now. I can't side with Paul Pierce on anything, even though I'm not a Laker fan. It's just he's he's become a very unlikable player in retirement based on prior acts and comments like this like i look at haslam for the heat kind of the way laker fans look at robert ory like the numbers don't jump off the page but you talk about heat culture haslam is heat culture i don't think you can ever define what that guy means to that team by the stats so i completely understand why they retired him i think it's going to be one of those cases where 30, 40 years from now, it's going to get questioned more because it's harder to measure someone's impact that's in a non-tangible way the further away we get from that timeline. But... L let me let me say this. Yeah. I'm going to say... Okay, Udonis Haslam is the sixth Heat player to have a uniform retired, okay? I'm going to give you the other five. Okay, we have Chris Bosch. Dwayne Wade, Tim Hardaway, Shaquille O'Neal, and Alazo Morning. Haslam is the sixth. Do you guys feel like, like how how do we defend this here? Because I think a lot of people are thinking those are some really big names above above Udonis Haslam, right? We always talk about loyalty and do what you're told and being a good soldier that's what haslam was all about 21 years and he dedicated to one franchise without and he still works there now he still works there yeah talent on the floor doesn't mean that you could that's the only way you could contribute that's jay that's a great point and that's sort of what i was thinking too where was like I guess you can't really measure how important Udonis Haslam was by just looking at stats. And I'm really curious to see um, what management has to say, because I bet you they're going to have to answer some of these questions about why his his jersey has been retired, I would assume. Um, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Anyway, that's actually all we have for tonight's episode. I want to thank you two for being on. JJ, thanks for being on, man. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate you all. She knows she loves Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Always good to be here. Thank you. Sammy takes it all the way. And of course, shout out to John, who's missing from the pod right now. I'm Detective John. And shout out to our video producer, RJ. RJ. 
Check out our YouTube channel. Remember to rate, subscribe, and review. Like us on our Facebook group page, The Clinic All NBA Podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Clinic All NBA. I'm Rosa Panta. This is The Clinic All NBA Podcast. Come find us wherever you get your podcasts. Perfect.